This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Afternoons on News Talk 770. Rob Breckenridge with you here on this Monday afternoon. Uh, so a lot more still to come, but uh, discussion right now about the, this free trade agreement, CETA, uh, between Canada and Europe. That seemed like it was uh, all but done, and now all kinds of uncertainty. Now, Maud Barlow with the Council of Canadians, obviously they were much opposed to this, but uh, Maud Barlow tweeting this afternoon that CETA just imploded. Well, that might be an overstatement, but uh, whether it's going to happen, I, I think, does remain an open question. Now, there's um, a signing ceremony that's supposed to take place on Thursday, and some optimism being expressed by the international trade minister today that some of these issues might get sorted out before then. Let's hope so. Obviously, one of the sticking points here has been, as mentioned, these uh, mechanisms in the agreement to resolve disputes between companies and governments. And the concern that opponents of free trade often raise that, you know, how do we resolve those disputes? And are, are governments going to be overruled? Is sovereignty going to be eroded as a result? And how does CETA uh, attempt to address this. So the, the C.D. Howe Institute uh, out with a new report today looking at some of these questions. Uh, Daniel Swan, who's a VP of Research at the C.D. Howe Institute, coordinator of this this report, joins us on the line here today. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. All right. So, I mean, free trade agreements have these these mechanisms in place. It's something that, that parties need to agree to beforehand. Um, so what's unique about the provisions in CETA? Well, the CETA limits, uh, you know, recognizes uh, a lot of the criticisms that uh, the, uh, from from earlier trade agreements that the grounds, uh, you know, by which um, uh, companies or investors, more generally speaking, could could claim uh, mistreatment by by uh, by by a foreign government uh, party to the agreement. So those grounds have been really limited uh, under the CETA compared to, for example, the NAFTA. Uh, you cannot claim, for example, that just because you're about to some government action, let's say environmental regulation, is costing you some expected profit or to reconsider an investment that you had in mind, you cannot, you cannot really claim that as a basis at all for uh, for re- for. Um, uh, uh, for for um, complaining before international tribunals, uh, complaining against the government. So uh, that's one example, and there are many others. So, for example, uh, the, um, the the possibility that panelists that adjudicate these disputes um, um, will uh, will be in a conflict of interest position has been very severely limited in the NAFTA in the CETA, pardon me. And uh, that was a concern under the NAFTA, for example. I could go on, but basically the, the grounds under which uh, companies can use this mechanism and the process itself uh, has been now um, um, uh, uh, reoriented towards respecting the rights of, of governments to regulate in the, in the ordinary course of their business. Okay, and and it sounds like you know, there, there's been an attempt to address that. There were some changes made to the agreement earlier this year. 
Yeah, very, very much so. Now, the changes are procedural. So some, some of the substantive changes, the grounds under which uh, a company can bring a, a complaint, if you will, that was already uh, uh, addressed in the CETA agreement as signed two years ago. Um, and, um, uh, and, and in fact, there's a lot of pre-notification and uh, attempts at solving the dispute before it goes to arbitration. That's also part of the, of the CETA that was signed a couple of years ago. What was uh, improved earlier this year in, uh, in what is called the legal scrubbing of the agreement between Canada and the EU was, uh, you know, for example, um, uh, introducing uh, an appeals mechanism, which uh, a lot of the crit- critics had said was lacking uh, and was resulting in very inconsistent positions uh, between uh, you know the rulings of various uh, tribunals, and so neither investors nor governments really knew what to expect, and and investors could you know try their hand and try to be lucky, see if they could find a uh, you know a panel that would agree with them. So uh, no more, and no more uh, also attempts by investors to go through the domestic uh, legal uh, uh, system, like the Canadian system, for example and then not getting what they wanted, and then going to an international tribunal. So that was also very severely restrained uh, um, um, in, in the recent agreement between Canada and the EU. So it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of the critics are, are looking at, at the NAFTA, which had some questionable, um, you know, opened the door for some questionable claims against government. The door has been uh, very severely um, shut. Uh, in an agreement like the CETA, and I invite the critics to basically, uh, you know, including Wallonia, basically to look at the new agreement, which is uh, uh, incomparably better um, than, than than some of the older agreements that are currently in existence, in fact, between Canada and some individual European countries. Now, the, the government has referred to this as kind of the gold standard when it comes to trade deals, is, is that is that an overstatement, or does this really improve upon what what's in in previous agreements? Well, it 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 improves a lot. So let it. Uh, I suppose it depends what you mean by the gold standard. If it's mm-hmm. perfect, nothing is ever perfect. If right. it's the best yet that you can find in any international trade agreement, and by the way, there are. Uh, hundreds of agreements worldwide between, you know, pairs of countries uh, that protect investment uh, using uh, a dispute settlement mechanism investor state. Uh, This CETA is by far the best from the point of view of of protecting the ability of government to implement policy. Suppose it was even threatened, which a lot of the critics said it was. It's uh, It's the best. So in that sense, it is the gold standard in a sense that could it be even improved even more? Probably that's, uh, that is a fair point. Well, and what does it tell us then that, that if a deal can make, like a deal like this can make these kinds of strides and, and can go even further in, in addressing this, and even that is, as we're seeing, very difficult to, to get through. That doesn't seem to bode well for future trade deals. No, you're right. Uh, now, you know, the, the, uh, the reason for including these protections uh, for investors in, in, in trade agreements is because nowadays investment and trade go hand in hand. So, you know, often if you want to trade with a country, 
uh, you basically, you, if you're European, you come here to Canada and you, you make an investment, uh, like a lot of European companies have made in, in steel or, 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 or in the oil patch uh, or elsewhere. Uh, you know, they come here and they establish <clears throat> themselves, uh, but they also trade with us. So, um, so they're, you know, the, the, the two typically go hand in hand, and especially in the service sector, uh, where you need to be close to your customers. So that's why they've been included in trade agreements, but they didn't used to. So it used to be that you had an agreement covering only, you know, trade, the exports of goods and services, and sometimes the movement of people and air travel and so on. And then separately, the countries would sign a um, an investment agreement. As I said, there are hundreds of uh, bilateral ones. For example, right now we have a trade agreement with uh, we have no trade agreement with China, but we have an investment agreement with China. So, you know, you could you could separate both, um, and so you could conceive uh, is my answer of a trade agreement that does not have uh, these kinds of in- investments, st- investor state dispute settlement mechanism. You could certainly conceive of that. But then you know what would happen is that we would we would do like every other country, including a lot of European countries, and we would sign bilateral deals to to make sure that investors uh, uh, are 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 protected from high-handed. That's all it is, really, high-handed uh, expropriation uh, without compensation and um, and uh, discriminatory behavior by a foreign government once they've made an investment. You know, meaning a long-term commitment, then they're kind of sitting ducks if you just want to take away their property. So it's to avoid those kinds of high-handed behavior that we have these kinds of protections, and that that also foster trade. But you could you could conceptually separate both, and and who knows, maybe that's what countries are going to end up doing, which is well, you sign trade agreements that are just trade agreements. And um, and then uh, it, with with those countries that you're comfortable doing that, and there's a lot of European countries that are comfortable doing that, you sign an investor protection agreement, and those countries will will you know will, will tend to attract more investment. Well, and and yeah, which is the the end result here. But I mean, the, these deals need to have these these provisions in place. There's no getting around it, right? Uh, they're better with them. Yeah, they're better with them, and and that's uh, you know that that's a long-standing uh, position of of not just Canada but also the European Union and and, uh, and the United States, or it is a, a position I should say, uh, as well as in the TPP, for example. So, um, but to you know they they are controversial, even though they're getting less and less dangerous from the point of view of what crit- critics perceive. Um, in fact, they're not, in my view, they're they're now, uh, uh, you know, the CETA standard in this respect is is absolutely excellent. It's worth adopting, um, but um, uh, because it really protects uh, against uh, you know egregious uh, criticism of governments uh, uh, that are sometimes unfair on the part of corporations. It does protect very much against that, but it does protect corporations also against. Uh, high-handed government intervention and yes a, a trade agreement that has these protections in in it is better than one that doesn't have you could still conceive of a trade agreement that doesn't have uh an investor state dispute settlement mechanism embedded in it uh, we've signed some in the past uh, other countries have signed some in the past we just want to sign a better agreement that has 
this protection in it. Um, and that's where the, um, you know, obviously one of the main obstacles with this uh, part of Belgium that uh, cannot agree to it. All right. Well, Daniel, appreciate making some time for us. More to cdhow.org. Thanks for this. You're welcome. All right. Take Bye. care. Daniel uh, Schwann, VP of Research at the City Howe Institute. Uh, we're late for a break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.